am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be, sir. Do you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. All right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 159, and today we're talking about a Stanley Kubrick classic, Full Metal Jacket. This great and fantastic film stars Matthew Modine, Arlie Army, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Alec... Oh, shit, I said Alec Baldwin. Adam Baldwin! <laughs> oh. Oh, dear... I am your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Mark. He's a modern art masterpiece. Slover. You are nothing but organized, crabastic pieces of amphibian broadcasting shit. Because I am hard, you will not like me. But the more you hate me, the more you will learn. I am hard, but I am fair. There is no podcast bigotry here. I do not look down on Polanders, furry hobbits, or lawyers. Here you are all equally worthless. And my orders are to weed out all rum chata drinkers who do not pack the gear to serve in my beloved podcast. Do you maggots understand me? Sir, yes, sir. I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, well done. Okay, it's going to be that kind of a show, guys. Uh, he's already he's setting the bar. All right. Possibly follow that up. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Come on, Jeff. You can do it. Uh, and speaking of uh, Jeff, our other very good and dear friend, for now, he may not be my friend after this, my good and dear friend Jeff, I didn't know they stacked shit that high. <laughs> Let's see. Well, uh... <clears throat> I, I, Seriously, between you, Mark you... and between you, Steve, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. You didn't see that coming. You really didn't see that coming. I, I was I was waiting for you to call me Private Pile. So that's oh. uh, that's where I was at. <laughs> okay. All right. So you've got you've got bubkis, right? Uh, well, you know, I I I've, I've got to, I got this. This is my headset. This is my gun. <laughs> this is for podcasting. This is for fun. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. And last and certainly not least, Ken. He's too buku, Rony. <laughs> well, of course. But Jeff, Mark, uh, we've got to give it our best for this great and fantastic uh, Kubrick classic. It's a man cave movie that uh, it lives. It's a warm spot in the heart of many people. Now, if you guys screw up. You're going to be standing tall before the man. Now, all Steve expects is that you, you know, honor him as if he were the voice of God. I like it. Very well done. All right, guys. Well, there you go. There's the introductions. And, uh, folks, just so you know, uh, full disclosure, like I said, we're going to be talking about Full Metal Jacket. And I don't think we can actually do this podcast justice by having my uh, <clears throat> the bleeps and the bloops for all of the uh, profanity that's in there. Because you have to hear this in the original uh, Kubrick version. So 
hide your wife, hide your kids. This will be an explicit tag. So there's there's no bloopers in this one. Just so you know. All right, guys, so this is it. I can't, it's, wow, three years. and just gotten around to it. I blame Muncie. And uh, as usual. Well, we've always said we were saving it up for some special monumental podcast. So we saved it for what? 158? 159. We're on 159. 59. Okay. All right. Uh, guys, without further ado, let's get right into this thing. But before we do, let us go into the Man Cave movie intro to this great and fantastic film. And guys, Deb and I just kind of threw this together. This classic Stanley Kubrick movie about the Vietnam War follows a Marine from boot camp to his experience as a combat correspondent in Vietnam. Michaels, what is that beer on your desk? Paps Blue Ribbon, ma'am. What is that you've got written on your t-shirt? Born to Podcast. You write, Born to Podcast on your t-shirt, and you drink Paps Blue Ribbon. What's that supposed to be? Some kind of a sick joke? No, ma'am. You'd better get your head and your ass wired together, or I will take a giant shit on you. Now answer the question, or you'll be sleeping on the couch tonight. Well, I was feeling nostalgic for the old days of uh, beers and beer drinking. The what? You know, the good old days of yesteryear. The retro thing, ma'am. Don't you love your podcast? Yes, ma'am. Then how about getting with the program? Why don't you dump out that piss water and get yourself a real beer? All I've ever asked of my podcasters is that they review a decent man cave movie and drink a quality beer. We are here to enlighten the listening audience because inside every listener is a man cave movie fan waiting to hear what great and fantastic beer you're drinking. It's a microbrew world, son. We've got to keep our heads until the hipster beer craze blows over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you guys threw that together. Well wow. done. Thank you. No, actually, I worked on it Thursday night. I was like, what am I going to do for this? And all of a sudden, I saw that one, and it came to me in a flash. Um, I, it was a drunken flash because I'd been hitting the bottle pretty hard that night. But it still came to me in a flash, and I thought, oh, I know what to do. Hope you enjoyed that one. That. Oh, how could you not? <laughs> Bravo. All right, guys, so here we are, uh, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, I, I think anybody who's been listening to this show for any length of time has already seen this. Uh, it's one of the great classic Vietnam movies. Um, gosh, what was this again? 80, 87. 87. This was 87. I kept thinking it was later in the 80s, but I couldn't remember. But, yeah, 87. So this is a, this is an old one. And... Um, uh, guys, let's kick it off. What do you think in terms of compared to other Vietnam movies or just this one in particular? I, I, I mean, it's a, it's a Kubrick movie, so there, it's got – Jeff, I know you're going to have some commentary on the cinematography because, I mean, that guy knows how to capture a scene. What do you think? Well, yeah, it, uh, <clears throat> I mean, you know, if you want to look at the – you know, really the opening scene after the haircuts um, – you know, that was, I want to, I mean, I think it's one of the highly talked about pieces of this movie is Arlie Armory. Um, one take, um, and the way that he was able to capture that one fluid, long, rambling take, and I say rambling, not in a negative sense, um, 
you know, it, it sets you up to let you know that you're in for a full ride. Because, I mean, you know, he was able to deliver that, um, ver- with, you know, without stopping. And, um, but the rest of the movie, I mean, you know, he is, especially when you get to the latter half of the movie, when you've got the, uh, the battle scenes, um, when they're fighting from building to building, um, it, it's, it, it, the way that he's able to capture stuff in the, you know, in the, in the background and the foreground and the way he sets it up to me, it's one of my favorite parts of the film, which we'll get into later. Um, because it's very vivid and it, it, it makes you feel like you're in a combat zone. You know, Jeff, I, and I don't want to step on anybody else's toes real quick, but that is one amazing thing about this particular movie is you really felt, and I don't think you saw it again until you saw Saving Private Ryan, where you actually felt like you were in the middle of a fight. It, the way it was shot, the, the look, everything about it was fantastic. And the amazing thing about this, this whole freaking thing was shot in England. Th- that's what blows me away about this. So it's, you know, it, it's a testament to Kubrick. I mean, the guy just knows how to put out a set and, um, you know, and get that look. So, but that. Did you say that this was shot in England? Yeah, 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 did, yeah, the whole, yeah, the whole battle away, yeah. the Paris Island scenes, yeah. those were all shot in England. Yeah, he used a bombed out portion of London or one of the outer cities from that it had not been repaired from World War II and turned it into Way City. Well, I'm just wondering where he got, I mean, they must have. They imported a shit ton oh. of palm trees. That's just impressive. Yeah. I, they had me fooled. Well, yeah, I, I didn't realize that for, for years until I looked at, you know, read some of the trivia and stuff. I'm like, this was freaking shot in England. Yeah, it's, I don't know if this, uh, this area was outside of Liverpool or something like that, but this, you know, that's how you said, if you actually, if you pay attention to all the, the palm trees, I mean, they're fake, but they all look, they're all the same. They're all exactly the same. But then again, I'm not really paying attention to the palm trees. So there you go. Well, what's interesting is, I did pay attention to the palm trees because it has such – that's why when you said that, that's the – that's where I came back to was the – the the going – when they were assaulting the city and you've got all these palm trees around because it gave it a very authentic feel. Right. And I I you know I, I did pay attention to the trees because it's one of the things that the foliage in this movie makes you feel like you are in Southeast Asia. Right. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's such a great, um, and I, and I think that's really what makes this movie even so much better is when you realize, you know, they didn't shoot it in the Philippines or you somewhere. Know, I'd be interested to see what Ken and Mark think, but when I think about this movie, it, it is almost two different movies spliced together. I shouldn't say spliced together. No, put you're, together. you're absolutely right. There are, it's two movies. Yeah, there's only a slight connection. I mean, there's two characters in the first movie that translate into the second movie. But it's totally different stories. Well, when you think about it, the the three, and again, I'm sure I'm not giving spoilers away, but, you know, the, the first three people I uh, mentioned in this movie, two of them die within, what, what the first 40 minutes? <laughs> They're gone. You don't see them again. Uh, you know, and they're two of the main actors. So, yeah. Well, and I, you know, when we've always talked about, 
you know, you've always watch a movie and, and as you're watching it, you know that the, the main characters aren't going to die. And that bathroom scene at the end of the first act still kind of catches me off guard at times because, you know, two of the main characters in the show meet, meet, meet a horrible death. Exactly. Mark, when did you first see this? Did you see it in the theater? Yeah, I saw it in the theater, and, and it's one of those movies that if it ever gets re-released for the cinematography and the sound, especially the second half of the movie, The Fighting in Way, Switch City, you really, to really appreciate this movie, you need to see it in the big screen. Um, it's just one of those movies that deserves it. But you, you've all commented it's two movies in one. Um, Joker and Cowboy are the connecting characters throughout the movie, and it's really Joker's movie, because he starts off as this smartass who gets himself noticed right at the beginning with Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, and he's a smart guy, He's a very and he's a competent Marine, but he's, he's kind of got this attitude of, I, I'm not going to take this seriously, and in some ways, I view the movie as, this is watching Cowboy grow up. Um, I mean, Joker grow up. I mean, Joker, pardon me, Joker grow up. Because at the very end, he is faced with some really harsh realities that aren't so funny anymore. That Hartman was trying to beat into their brains. Right. You know, it's, it's one of those movies that you can't help but laugh. And that's what's brilliant about Kubrick. A is casting of, of Hartman, who was really a, an advisor, but he realized this was the guy to, to play the gunnery sergeant, because he was one. And it made, it made Arlie Ermey into what he is, which is a, as Ken would probably refer to him as Chief Trope. Um, he is the quintessential gunnery sergeant and he's, he's worked it very well to make it a very good career move for him, spending a ton of stuff. And he was actually in another Vietnam movie called, uh, Siege of Firebase Gloria, which is a pretty good B, B grade movie. I, Did that come out after this? He was also a helicopter pilot in Apocalypse Now. And I think that was his first flick. Yep. Yeah, and he's moved on. I mean, he did a, he's done a lot of basically authority figure roles over the years. The interesting thing about this movie, there's an, we'll, we'll touch on them, but a couple things that jump to my mind are, um, this is a, one of the, I would say probably the only Vietnam movie that takes place in the city, in, in city fighting because the, 60, this takes place during 68, the Tet Offensive, the NVA and the VA, or the VC, the VA, yeah. The VC, <laughs> um, overrun large portions of South Vietnam and take Hue City, which in the history of Vietnam is the imperial city of all of ancient Vietnam. So it's an icon during the Tet Offensive. It's an important psychological act. And this is one of the, probably the only movie that deals with Vietnam, that deals with city fighting. And I think it does it very well. Um, so you see something that's atypical for, for a Vietnam movie. Uh, another thing is Kubrick's not, in my mind in this movie, he doesn't have a judgmental agenda of pro-war or anti-war. Um, you could draw whatever you want out of this movie based on what, however you gravitate. He He really, I kind of, I kind of view it as he's just laying it out there and he's, if he's got an opinion, 
He's letting you form your own. The other thing that's a minor thing that I like is we don't have the stupid lieutenants. You know, the, the NCOs and lieutenants are solid guys. This isn't, and this also isn't a stoner movie. Right. You know, you, you see all those, none of the tropes that you typically see in Vietnam movies are in this movie. And, and that's another thing that I think makes this movie really well done because it's atypical for a Vietnam movie. You know, Mark, I can't help to think that while you were giving your <clears throat> your little um, breakdown there, when you were giving all the positives and comparing it to other movies, I could only think of the movie that came out, what, the year before this, which is Platoon, yep. which has all of the terrible tropes in it, which I think we need to do at some point so we can hash the movie out. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying that's a bad movie, but... It, it is it is a different movie, and yeah, yeah, you can't compare the two. I mean, this like you said, this 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 took Viet, the view of Vietnam to a different level that we've really never seen before, and and to we we've never really seen a boot camp to this effect. I mean, the the boot camp scenes. I mean, really, this is back when you know sergeants could you know knock the shit out of you, hmm. um, and and basically make pussies into men, and you know, because that's what you needed. Um, the, but the, but we'd never seen that before, really. I think done very well. We'd never seen, like you said, the other side of Vietnam. We've always seen the jungle fighting, which we we know was predominantly the main part uh, until you get to the last phase of the war where where they took it to the cities. But, um, you know, it it and it, this movie stands out from pretty much all the others as something that is, that is, that is superior. Well, you know, you guys mentioned uh, platoon and I had an uncle that did a couple of tours in Vietnam. He was a Marine and I asked him about platoon at one point and I said, you know, they got the whole scene. They got the one bunker where everybody's in there just, you know, getting stoned, getting drunk, whatever. I'm like, did that stuff really go on? He said, you know, there were always, you always had the drunks and there was the stoners. He says, but, that would have never been. He goes, at least in his unit, or at least as far as he knew in the Marines, that would have never been tolerated. I mean, it's one thing to go off and smoke a joint behind the head or something like that. He said, but you're not going to have a bunker full of guys just getting lit like that. He said, that's just, you know, he thought that was bullshit when he saw it. He thought this movie, because um, he was there during, I mean, he was there from 67, 68. He was literally about ready to go home um, when Tet broke out. That was when his uh, papers were coming out, and he got stuck there for for that. So, uh, and he was in the name, and uh, so that's why he's like, he goes, well, he's, he screwed up his whole whole plans to go home. But he said that was, uh, you know, but I think maybe it was, maybe it was different with the army. You know, Marines are volunteers. I mean, he didn't get drafted in the Marines. So, did they cancel Ann Margaret too? I think that. <laughs> You know, I should ask him that someday. I'm like, so did Ann Margaret not get? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, but it, it is, you know, it it, it is atypical. But that's that's a Kubrickism. Is he will take what other people have done, um, and go a completely different direction. And I think that's another reason. You know, that's one of the other reasons why this has become an iconic movie and it it has its detractors there are a lot of people who do not like this movie the the critics were very split on it because that's what critics are like but i think the other thing that 
it really did was it showcased some very good young talent. And some of them have gone on to do some things, and some of them are just really good. If you look at their IMDb pages, they are just cranking out character actor work. But you really felt like these guys, they weren't like 35-year-olds playing 18-year-olds or 20-year-olds. No. Yeah. They all looked, you know, very young Adam Baldwin, yep. um, Matthew Modine, uh, Dorian Harewood, who's a great character actor, played eight ball. Um, they, they all, Arliss Howard, who played cowboy, they all felt and looked right for the. Well, and D'Onofrio, I mean, this is the movie that really kind of put him on the map, I think, because he, the only other thing I remember seeing him earlier, and if you guys ever saw the movie Adventures in Babysitting. Um, oh, it's a good movie. It's a good movie, and yeah. If, it, yeah, and he was the he was the mechanic that the little girl thought was Thor. Wait, that's right. Did, that's right. Did you just say Adventures in Babysitting? Yes. If yep. you if you've never seen it, it's a it's a great movie. It's a great eighties movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. I'm yep. not, it's not a man cave movie, but if you want, honestly, if you want to sit down with the family and the kids and watch that movie, it's yep. it's fantastic. Emily, is, is that with Elizabeth Shue? Yes. yes. Oh my gosh! My yes. Kids love that well, movie. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. But um, I have seen it, and I must say, I'm quite shocked that you think that that's a good movie. It's you know you got to put it back in the perspective when it, when it was made. It was a fun movie. This was an '80s movie. I enjoyed it. I still enjoy it to this day. I mean, if it's on, I mean, I might watch it. But like I said, it was, you know, if it's one of those things that you want to just throw down, you know, with the family, it's it's a fun movie. But I just mentioned, like I said, he was the mechanic. Uh, uh, D'Onofrio was the mechanic. You know, and he's, huh. you know, he's standing there, lean, mean, fight machine. And then you see him in this and he's, you know, 150 pounds of chew bubble gum. He put on a massive amount of weight for this movie. I think they said he beat out... Um, he beat out uh, uh, Pacino for Raging Bull. Yeah, uh, De Niro. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, De Niro. As, De Niro. as someone who has put on a, yep. a pretty amount, you know, large amount of you know blubber in the past year or two, it's easy to do. Oh no, you're absolutely right. It's real easy to do. You could, I mean, it to get to that size. Like I said, if I wanted to get as fat as him, oh shit, I could do that inside of a month. Piece of cake. You know, ro- rolling the frickin' beer and the ice cream, I'll be going to town. I'd look like that in no time. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's easy. I mean, that, that's the easy part. Looking like, I don't know, Gerard Butler and, uh, the 300, not so easy to do. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't look like that anymore. Well, they, they never do. They always, uh, you know, <laughs> because you, because at that age, because I think he's not too much, uh, I don't think he's too much uh, older or younger than me. That you can't maintain that. Not, not if you want to keep your sanity, or you just have fantastic genetics. But no, but this was the movie I think that really kind of put D'Onofrio on the map. Uh, you know, because after this, I mean, he was in a lot of stuff, and then he did the uh, uh, he was on that freaking uh, TV show I watched like forever. Was it Law and Order? Yeah, I think he was on Law and Order. Yeah, Law and Order. And um, he kind of played a weird, quirky type of Sherlock detective dude. But, I mean, he was, you know, he was really good in this. And and the, and the thing that is, the whole time you're watching this, I mean, you just really feel for him in this. I mean, you just feel so bad. Because he's not the brightest bulb in the harbor. I mean, you just know that. And you, <laughs> and, and you just keep thinking, it's like, 
is he stupid or is he like mentally not there? And I think it's not that he's mentally not there. I think he's just not a bright guy. But at some point, you know, I think it was after the uh, the ass whooping is when all of a sudden everything started clicking into place for him in more ways than yeah. one. Yeah, he he clicked and snapped. And I'll tell you guys, I mean, that, that scene that night, you know, because, you know, you get to a point, folks, if, if for those of you who haven't seen the show, uh, D'Onofrio plays Private Pile, and he is he is the uh, platoon screw-up, or the barrack screw-up. I mean, he can't he can't even tie his shoes. He screws everything up. So finally, they do the whole you know, community punishment. Every time he screws up, everybody else pays for it. And then there was a, that night when the barrack decided, we're going to set this right. And I, to this day, and I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. I have a very hard time watching that scene. It's rough. It is rough. It, it's it is brutal. Really rough. It's brutal. Well, I'm not promoting it, but you can understand why these guys did it. They are so fed up with him. Right. It's frustration. It's just yeah. like, you know, either quit yeah. or get your shit together. I mean, you could see, I mean, like, like I said, it's a, it's a rough scene to watch, but the flip side is, you know, everybody else is like, you know what, if you can't get your ass together, we're going to get it together for you. And it, you know, and again, it doesn't make it any easier to watch, but you understand why it was done. It wasn't done because they just wanted to pick on this guy. It was done because he can't get his shit together. And it, it just, ugh, I still don't like to watch it, but. but you well, know, but that, it, that's, you know, that's a testament to Kubrick and the actors. They sold it. Yeah, they did. I mean, and D'Onofrio, the worst part of it is it's not so much the beating because, folks, they, you, know, you take the old, it's the old trick, uh, take a square of a bar of soap, roll it up in your, put it put it in a, in a, in a towel and twist that towel around and just, you, you got a nice little club. It's it's after they beat him. Yeah. But there, there's a line, and it, I think everybody is kind of like, oh, man. Even I think even afterwards, Matthew Modine regrets what he did. Yeah. Well, see, and the thing of it is that to me wasn't hazing. That wasn't just like, okay, we're going to pick on this guy. It that was that was a message: get your shit yeah. together, or this is going to happen again. This wasn't this wasn't a, like a click picking on somebody, right? You know, because it was it was more of you got to get your crap together because we're tired of paying for your screw ups, you know. But other actors. Uh, the other one I want to mention, Matthew Modine. You don't really, he was big in the 80s. You don't see him that much anymore. Uh, but I thought he really pulled off his role very well. I thought he was, uh, I can't really think of anybody else. And I, I looked at some of the trivia and I'm not going to get any, you know, if you want to read the trivia, go see it. There's a, a, a hundred things on it. So, uh, but I can't imagine anybody else who, who could have done a better job. Uh, for that period of time, I should say, you know, and Modine had been doing some stuff at that point. I think he he wasn't uh you know Matthew Modine was not a novice actor. No, he he'd been out there since like four or five years before that. Right. You know, doing some major movies. I mean, he I think he'd already done. Um, oh God, he'd done were, Hotel New Hampshire, uh, Vision Quest. I think it was yeah. the wrestling yep. movie, which was oh, really that, really good. Vision Quest is what um, put him on the map. I think, yeah. yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. 
Now, where did Alec, uh, I keep saying Alec, Adam Baldwin, where did he fit in this? I mean, was this like one of his first or earlies? Or, I mean, I know it was an early movie for him because he looks like he's about 19. My Bodyguard, Steve. Don't you remember that movie? Son of a bitch must be. 80. Yes. Yeah, that, My Bodyguard was his breakthrough, and that was yeah. 1980. And oh, then yeah. he had done a number of movies, well, half a dozen movies, until he did this. And I think this movie really kind of got him going. Yeah, I agree. I think this was his movie. Yeah. That got him oh, and noticed. Animal. And God rest the soul of a good and dear friend, um, Ward Williams. But when we went, when we saw this movie, and this is one of his favorites, he'd always say, if I ever was somewhere like Vietnam, I would strap my ass to a guy like Animal Mother because you know, he's getting out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and Animal Mother's probably selling insurance, retired insurance salesman now. No, that but was no. Wardy said that was the door gunner on the in the helicopter. Mm. Yes. But Adam Baldwin's character, Animal Mother, is he? He's not insane. He's not a psychopath. He, but he's he is thoroughly bloodthirsty in the sense of I'm not going to get killed. Yes, um, he's very direct. Yeah. Well, it was that. It, it's kind of like that line when uh, you know after the the battle of that one city and, you know, a couple of their guys got killed and everybody's kind of standing around saying, you know, you know, you know, peace, bro. You know, uh, sorry, you're, you know, sorry, you're dead, blah, blah, blah. And they get to him and he goes, better you than me. <laughs> He's just got this. It <laughs> could have been me. But that, and if I got a word to fight for my word, poontang. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's very basic. It's like, okay. We are in one of the baser parts of human existence. So he just has boiled down his existence to bare minimum. Well, and he, I, I think what the, that scene shows is he's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a pretty bright guy. He oh, knows yeah. what needs to be done. He knows, he knows how to do it. And, you know, you, you know, he may not be quote unquote in charge. He may not have the compass, but. He knows what to do and how to do it. And, you know, and he just kind of takes charge, which, you know, everybody else is like, yeah, rally around. Um, and, and I'll tell you what, I talk about another tough scene in this movie is when is, is the scene where the snipers start taking out the guys. Right. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you've got the platoon. I guess it's really not a platoon. What is it? A reinforced squad. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you've got the squad and you see what I love about that scene is you see what a squad can do to a city block in that scene <laughs> yeah. when they unleash hell. Um, but, um, but you know, it's a, it's a tough scene to watch because, and, and the use of slow motion to highlight the her- horrific carnage that's going on and, to illustrate, this is what these guys are seeing. Are their are their buddies being systematically shot? And um, and and, and it, what the great thing that they, that Kubrick does about that is he brings out your hatred for this unseen person. So when you get to the end, yep, you have no sympathy for that character. Right, right. Well, and I'll tell you one thing that is is interesting about. Adam Baldwin's character, and I think this is something that you might, I, I don't know, um, I know I've heard this before, too, is that, you know, when you're in the military, there you know, everybody's one color and it's green. 
Animal Mother's character is, I mean, he is, he is a flat out, straight up racist guy. But it seems like his best friend is a black guy. And they, they dig each other all the time. And, you know, they always make disparaging remarks, but when eight ball got shot, you know, animal mother was the first, you know, he's the first one was like, we got to go get him. <laughs> he's, right. ready, he's the first one ready to go. Everybody else is sitting behind the thing. going, well, shit, we ain't going out there. You know, and he's the first one ready to go. So I think that kind of shows that I think in those situations, they see each other. They're, they're all brothers. They're not, right. I don't, I'm not looking at his skin color, even though I may not, you know, he says things and, you know, I'm not going to get in all that, but, and I thought that's really a powerful scene because, and, 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 guy, and let's talk about that real quick because I think that part is where you saw, um, you know, first they lost the lieutenant, then they lost their sergeant. I think at that point, what, Cowboy might have been a corporal, so they basically put him in charge? Well, they had a guy in between who was probably second sergeant who picked up the bunny. Yeah, he, that was him. Well, you had the lieutenant, yeah, then you had the sergeant, yeah, you had a platoon sergeant, yeah. and yeah, now you're down to now you're Cowboy, down. who doesn't want the job. And he is not he is not ready to deal with it, because no. you could tell, he's like, I think we need to pull out, and they're like, <laughs> it's like animal mothers. No, we're not, we're not leaving those guys there. Hey, hey, I gotta jump in and just point out that something I realized when I watched this this time, Cowboy was right. Animal Mother was wrong. Three guys would have been alive if they just would have done what Cowboy said. So I'm for Cowboy here. I'm not. I'm not an Animal Mother fan. See, but I nothing hostile. See, I think you're totally wrong. You never, leave, especially when you know there's guys that possibly are alive over there. You don't leave them behind. Cowboy was right. No. Here's the other thing. This was probably the biggest beef I always had about this movie. Even back then, that sniper was not using a sniper rifle. I mean, <laughs> no, she, she is seriously AK, an AK. <laughs> actually, it's a. Uh, it wasn't even an AK. It, it's actually the the Czech version of an AK because I looked it up, and I, I'm I'm thinking there is no freaking way, you know, when they're showing those distances that anyone. I mean, I don't care if it's Carlos Hathcock could not have the accuracy that chick had with that gun. That gun was bigger than her. Did you see the size of that kid? I mean, there's no way. I can't believe she was able to even hold that thing. So I, I kind of, that was kind of, I had a kind of an issue with that. I'm like, at least have her have a sniper rifle. You know, but she's up there with a, I mean, basically an AK-47, and she's able to snipe with that thing at those distances. I, I just wasn't by it. That to me was a little bit of a. I was throwing the bullshit flag, but that was just my one little hey, sidebar. From if that. you if you have it on a stable platform, and maybe she's really good at what she does, I don't think so. But you can you can think what you want. That's not what they did in the movie. Have you ever shot an AK forty seven? Well, no, I haven't shot an AK. Like I said, did you see the size of that girl? That thing would have kicked her ass six ways to Sunday. Hey, just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she is any less able than any of us to do what she did. She probably weighed as much as my left leg. I mean, look, I am tired of this war on women, okay, Steve? And I'm not going to let you sit here and degrade a woman because of her small stature, being able to shoot one of those, okay? 
hey, you know what? She probably lives out there in the jungle, right? Could you do that? I'd say no, Steve. Well, thank you very much. Can he be in charge for a while? <laughs> no. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Yes, All sir. Right. <laughs> All right. Oh, you know, another guy I think we should mention, and we talked, we chat, we we touched on him is Dorian Harewood, played A-Ball. He's a great character in this movie because he he has this bond with animal mother, and he keeps animal mother grounded. He's the one guy who gets animal mother to back down from starting a fight with Joker. He, you know, it's like thank God for the sickle cell. Yeah, mother. It, it's this. They have, like you said, Steve, they have this relationship. And Dorian Harewood is—he does a ton of voice work, even in a game you love, Steve. He does Diablo. Um, he plays Diablo. He did Diablo three. Does a bunch of stuff in Diablo. Oh, gross! I don't play that anymore. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, you did. I knew that. Yeah. But uh, I think he's a great actor too. Good character actor. He does a lot of voice work, and he's got the pipes for it. Oh, definitely. Guys, soundtrack. What do you think? I thought this Puppet. music was fantastic. It was one of the, they. They just pulled songs from these '60s that threw you back to that time frame. If you, I mean, if you knew what it was, it threw you back to that time frame. And it was a mix. It wasn't like one genre. It was a, a mix of. Yeah, it was country. It was, it was you know, Rolling Stones, Painted Black. It was all sorts of stuff. But I think some of the most effective music were though that pipe and those eerie pipe type sounds when they're going through Wake City. That really set the mood. Jeff, what did you think? Did you like it? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's. I mean. The music is, it's, it, it, like I said, it puts you in this time. Um, and, and it fits so perfectly. Um, you know, and Steve, I know when I, when I heard the soundtrack, I kept thinking, you know, I think for the soundtrack alone, you would like Guardians of the Galaxy because it, 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 I'm going to say it tops, it tops this soundtrack. Yeah. Does it really? Oh my gosh. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack is great, and it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's key to the movie. All right, I'm going to have to pop that in, and we'll we'll see, because I have yet to watch this movie, so. Oh, my God. It's you know, not we, a superhero what, movie. What we should no. do is we should watch it together as a group. I'm game. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be in the same room with you guys. Yeah, you do. Okay, I'll tell you what. You watch it. Ken, Mark, and I will watch it in the same movie together. We'll talk over the phone or Skype to each other. Okay? I think that's an excellent idea. Well, you, <laughs> Jeff, you and I saw it together. We did. Movie Grill. We, we, we did. With your boys. Yes. And, 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 and the reason I don't movie. go back there again is after that experience that night. But, Steve, it's not a superhero movie. No, I understand that. I just... I don't know, for some reason it didn't appeal to me at first, but like I said, I, I am taking them on your advisement. I do have it around here somewhere, so I will uh, I will pop it in the DVD this weekend and give you my report. Anything with a kick-ass raccoon is absolutely <laughs> big A-plus in my book. Does the raccoon right. talk? It does talk. Very good. Outstanding. Talks. Who are you calling a raccoon? Yeah. 
Oh, gosh. All right. Well, guys, there. Geez, you know, it's getting about that time. So, um, brother, what you drinking? Uh, let's see. Who's up? Who is up? Let's start with Mark. Mark, what do you got? A uh, new beer from Rogue, our friends at Rogue. We like Rogue. It's called Rogue Farms Fresh Roast. Ale brewed with freshly roasted Rogue Farm malt. You're going, so what does that mean? And I read from the bottle, the holy bottle of Rogue. Rogue Fresh Roast is made with Rogue Farms barley fresh roasted at the brewery. The barley is taken directly out of the roaster and rushed 273 feet. No more, no less. 273 <laughs> being my number. Um, we don't think it gets much fresher than that. We know you'll enjoy the, you'll enjoy it or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Jeff, you would love this beer. Imagine a porter with a slightly roasted, um, malt taste or barley oh. taste. Oh. And for, um, malt or rather, it's just, it is a wonderful, it, it kind of, it, it reminds you of a, of a porter. It, it's got that porter color. Steve, you would love it as well. It's a big bottle. It's seven ninety nine. It it it's not a porter, but it sure has characteristics of a porter. It's a unique little beer. Um, and it's I think it's like five seven. It's a porter, so it doesn't have a ton of alcohol, but pretty color, great taste, um, great lacing on the glass. Just a wonder. I mean, Rogue has done it again. It, it's and it's got just enough. Just enough of a hoppiness just to leave it a little dry on the back end. Very nice. Like it. Yeah, so Rogue Fresh Roast. I have to check that out. All right, uh, Jeff, uh, what do you got? I told you guys I took a trip uh, to the northeast uh, a couple weeks ago, and we stopped by the um, Sam Adams Brewery. Their, I think, mock-up of a brewery. Um where they, they, they do some, apparently some brewing, um, and they released a new line, um, at least a new line to me, and um, they had some stuff there to buy that I'd never seen before, and they have this new line called the uh, Barrel Room Collection. I ran across some of these in Kroger the other day. Nothing I think I would like, but Steve, uh, Mark, um, you may like them. And they're they're in a very, very cool bottle. Um it, it, the, the beer I have, it, it's called uh, an American Creek. Uh, Creek is spelled uh, K-R-I-E-K. Um, and this, um, and you'll see why they named it this collection, is an ale aged with Blanton cherries in Ooh. oak barrels. Ooh. Okay. It's an, <sighs> is it so Here's, brown ale or? No. Son of a bitch. This tastes like the very first beer I ever brewed because I brewed like a cherry. I wanted a cherry wheat. That was the first beer that I brewed was a cherry wheat. I poured this in a glass and smelled it and that it, it hit me. I was like, holy shit. And I took a drink and I was like, this tastes exactly, except I didn't use Blanton cherries. <laughs> I just use regular maraschino <laughs> cherries. <laughs> um, and, um, but it is, um, it's a good beer, 7% alcohol. Um, it, it's a single bottle. It's a big, tall bottle. It's, um, it's, it's, um, 
It's a pint nine ounces. It's a pint nine ounces. And you can, when you go there, Steve, Mark, if you go to their beer section, you, you will see these bottles and they stand out because they, they look like, well, I I don't even know what they, they, they're, they're kind of a tapered beer bottle, but they're, they're a unique design. Um, very good beer. Um, apparently they're coming out with a new line of this. I meant to get the honey, uh, porter, but they were sold out of all of it. I was going to bring that back. Um, but, um. Very cool place. If you guys have never been to Boston or to the Sam Adams Brewery, very cool little place. Free, free of charge to go in there. Um, cool little, it's a small operation. Um, but um, brought this back, brought a bunch of beers back from New Hampshire. Got a lot of local brews up there. Um, their, their little, their little uh, industry is just getting started up there. So they're, they're really high on their uh, craft beer. So I brought a bunch back from New Hampshire. So I'll which have one did you two. pick? Which so one what? did you get? Because my wife got me some with a, like a backpacker on, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the backpacker was their logo guy backpacking. I have no is idea. That one? Okay. No, no, I'll, I'll showcase them on the show. I just got a bunch of just a lot of supporters and stouts and things. Um, and, and I'll, I'll showcase those on the show, but this beer, um, very good beer, very good beer, very light, um, very flavorful. Very nice. All right, guys, I am, uh, kicking back with one of my summer favorites here. Pat? No, I am drinking a, um, it's the original Belgian wheat. It's the Hogarden. Hogarden. Uh, Hogarden. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I got, I picked up a six pack of those. I haven't had it in a little while. And it looked good, and it's uh, you know still kind of humid down here. So I thought, eh, I'm going to get one of those. And I was looking at some porters, but or I'm sorry, some stouts, and said, nah, I don't think so. Or I'm going to go with some wheat. I'm trying to stay into the whole summer thing of drinking wheat beer or pilsners <laughs> or some light ale. So <clears throat> there you go. That's what I'm drinking. And by the way, Jeff, did that? Uh, did you have an ABV that was worth mentioning at all? Or nope. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's a respectable seven percent, but nothing. Ooh, nothing that's that's close. I'm gonna have to. It's, get... it's for, that's solid. for for this little thing for basically an uh, um an an ale with cherries in it. Hell yeah, it's good. All right, yeah. you know what? I'll give you this. <laughs> all right. Thank you. So there you go. All right. <laughs> Well done. That right. wasn't a Godzuki. Yeah, I sh- no that that's all that's insulting. That's a that's if you're drinking like uh, you know. Never mind. All right. <laughs> Absolute ribbon. All right, and last and certainly, yeah, last and certainly not least. It's now time for catching up with Ken. My darling, all right, Ken, what's your top highlight of the week? Uh, top highlight was last Saturday night. I went out to the Indianapolis 500 Speedway and watched the Rolling Stones in concert. We nice. had a, uh, a cookout at some friend's house down on the canal downtown. Very quality cookout, if I may say. Very, the Ebbs are very good host and hostess. They had chartered a bus, a, I mean, a fancy, like, rock star tour bus uh, to take us out to the, uh, speedway, arranged to get access to the suites so we'd have some place to hang and drink and get food and all. And then watch the show. Uh, they put on a great show. I mean, you can joke all you want about how they're older than dirt and 
should be in walkers and wheelchairs. And Keith Richards should have died 20 years ago, but it was a good show. Good quality. Uh, we were way far back, but they had nice videotrons where you could see all the action. Neat fireworks show. Uh, well, the cool thing was we were up like five stories up. So we could see all the fireworks that were going off through the city because it was the 4th of July. And the whole city was just alight with rockets and explosions and everything else. It brought back some bad flashbacks, of course. But but I got through it and enjoyed the show. <laughs> Didn't Keith Richards or one of them take a tumble off the stage? I didn't hear yeah, I read, that. I read where one of them kind of kind of rolled and tripped off, tripped over the stage or if, if they did, it didn't interfere with the show. Yeah. He I, bounced I, right again, back I was back to where they were literally like ant size. Okay. Uh, but no, the show was great and, uh, had a great time, stayed up. I didn't get home till like four. Uh, and then also tonight I went to the brass ring, which is not a strip club. <laughs> hung out there with a couple that's of friends. What you, that's what you tell us. Had a had a uh, not very good bacon parjan blue cheese pizza, which I never had a blue cheese pizza before, and it was very good. And then I'm here. I've been drinking vanilla vodkas and diet cokes because when I walked in the bar, uh, the bartender who knows me said, "Like you want a vanilla vodka and diet coke, don't you?" And I said, "Like yes, I do." <laughs> nice. So that that's been it. Again, I I had other stuff going on, but that was a highlight. Nice. Like it. I saw Any questions about the stones? Well, I'll tell you what. I just, just my one uh, input here is I saw the stones in 1989, I think it was, up in Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. They were doing their Steeler Wheelers tour. tour and um, I went there with my cousin and a buddy of his, and and there's a reason I believe in God. Because if I didn't believe in God, I would have been in prison that night. <laughs> so <clears throat> let's just say it was a great concert and an interesting evening. And I still wake up every morning and go, thank you, Lord, for not letting me go to prison that day. So, hey, Steve. Yo. Do you believe in the Virgin Mary? Uh, yeah, because I think she whisked my ass away from some really bad situations that night. <laughs> Out- outstanding. Yeah. And it wasn't like being my beloved podcast. Yeah, it wasn't anything horrible, folks. Let's just put it this way. My cousin and his friend were, um, how should we say this? Imbibing? Uh, yeah, they were, they, they, let's put it this way. Those two guys would have been very much at home in, uh, Sergeant Elias's bunker in Platoon. Just so you know. Yeah. It wasn't until about one point when I'm driving up there and those two are in the back and I'm like, what's that smell? And I look back there and it's, it, it, it is my, my car looked like Cheech and Chong. It was like, <laughs> like are you kidding me? They you had know? the massive splits going. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. My cousin who rolls a joint that looks like Churchill's cigar. It's like, good Lord. <laughs> so anyway, there you go. All right, folks. That's it with brother. What you drinking and catching up with Ken. Let us move on to clips. And guys, I, I just picked some, like I said, this movie's a clip fest, so I tried to pick the best ones I could. Some of them are pretty long, which is why I didn't get, you know, I don't have like 15 clips or anything like that. You, so. d- you could just light up the whole movie and just run it. For yeah. Clip fest. That's pretty much it. So I, I picked the, I picked what I thought were some of the best ones. So, and like I said, folks, 
there's no there's no bleeping out of here. So explicit tag, fair warning, hide your wife, hide your kids. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are pukes. You are the lowest form of life on earth. You are not even human fucking beings. You are nothing but unorganized, grabastic pieces of amphibian shit. Isn't that what Steve told us right before the podcast? <laughs> Something along those lines. All right, uh, let's see, number two. What's your excuse? Sir, excuse for what, sir? I'm asking the fucking questions here, Private. Do you understand? Sir, yes, sir. Well, thank you very much. Can I be in charge for a while? Sir, yes, sir. And, folks, if you've never seen this movie, you got to see it just for the opening, what, the first 20 minutes, just the barrack scene when he's doing that whole thing. It, the guy was on a roll. And it's just, it, it, it was just fantastic to watch. I mean, you laugh, but then again, you're sitting there going, but if you were on the receiving end, you would not have been laughing. Well, if no. you were laughing, you'd be <laughs> choking. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the only person that's laughing was Pyle. He wasn't laughing later. So, no. All right. Uh, what, are, what are we going to do in Arlie Irby introspective? Uh, <laughs> I, I, retrospective, I, think, I should say. I don't know. All right, next. Do I make you nervous? Sir! Sir what? Are you about to call me an asshole? Sir, no, sir! How tall are you, Private? Sir, five foot nine, sir! Five foot nine? I didn't know they stacked shit that high. You trying to squeeze an inch in on me somewhere, huh? Sir, no, sir! Bullshit, it looks to me like the best part of you ran down to cracking your mama's ass and ended up as a brown stain on the mattress. I think you've been cheated! Well, I don't think well, he, I don't think he was cheated. He's obviously above world average. Well, Jeff's been cheated by at least two inches. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. World average. <laughs> Oh gosh! All right, here's the here's the. You know what they say: big things come in small packages. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh gosh! All right, here we go. Next one. Get the fuck down off of my obstacle now! Move it! I'm gonna rip your balls off so you cannot contaminate the rest of the world. I will motivate you, Private Pyle. If it short dicks every cannibal on the Congo! That's what Steve says to Jeff at the beginning of every podcast. Who comes up? Where do you get that? I mean, I, uh, I don't he even, just made it up. Yeah, it's that's like, what, what I mean. What does that mean? What does that, well, that mean? That's, <laughs> that's a, a interesting note about this movie, which is Stanley Kubrick is known as being a total control freak when he's making a movie. But when it came to this movie, he just sort of said, hey, Arlie, you just do your thing, man, and I'll film it. And and the thing of it is, when you watch this movie, when you see him going through the barracks, I mean, you you actually feel, I don't, I don't want to say uncomfortable, but you're almost scared. And, and from what I read from some of the trivia is, you know, those guys never even seen him before because they kept them separated. So I, I can't even imagine. When he walked in there, I mean, because the guy, you know, they probably, God, he looks like a drill sergeant. Well, he was a drill sergeant. I mean, he really was. So uh, the intimidation factor had to have been, you know, like 11.5 off of 10. So, all right, uh, let's see, next one. And Margaret and Entourage are due here next week. I want someone to be there on the airfield and stick with her for a couple of days. Uh, Rafterman, you take it. Hi, right, sir. 
and get me some good low angle stuff. Don't make it too obvious, but I want to see fur and early morning dew. Sorry, ladies, for that. Those of you who watch the show, but it is the Man Cave movie review, and I had to throw that in. Now he's inspired me to stay right where I am, in the rear with the gear. Yep. I'll tell you that that guy that played that lieutenant was awesome. Yep. Ugh. All right. Uh, let's see. As a follow up to that, we also have reports that a division of NVA has occupied all of the city of Way south of the Perfume River. In strategic terms, Charlie's cut the country in half. The civilian press are about to wet their pants. And we've heard even Cronkite's going to say the war is now unwinnable. In other words, it's a huge shit sandwich and we're all going to have to take a bite. Sir, does this mean that Aunt Margaret's not coming? <laughs> Joker. <laughs> He's got his priorities right. Yeah. You know, I guess he could have said something different. Like, didn't you just tell us not to worry about all of this shit that we are now worried about, sir? No, no. All right. Let's see. Next one here. And guys, this is where I got the Man Cave movie intro to the screen. Fantastic film. It's a long one, but it's worth it. Green, what is that button on your body armor? A peace symbol, sir. Where'd you get it? I don't remember, sir. What is that you've got written on your helmet? Born to kill, sir. You write born to kill on your helmet and you wear a peace button. What's that supposed to be, some kind of sick joke? No, sir. What is it supposed to mean? I don't know, sir. You don't know very much, do you? No, sir. You better get your head and your ass wired together or I will take a giant shit on you. Yes, sir. Now answer my question or you'll be standing tall before the man. I think I was trying to suggest something about the duality of man, sir. The what? The duality of man, the Jungian thing, sir. Whose side are you on, son? Our side, sir. Don't you love your country? Yes, sir. How about getting with the program? Why don't you jump on the team and come on in for the big win? Yes, sir. Son, all I've ever asked of my Marines is for them to obey my orders as they would the word of God. We are here to help the Vietnamese because inside every group, there is an American trying to get out. It's a hardball world, son. We've got to try to keep our heads until this peace craze blows over. The the thing about that scene that you have to see it to appreciate it is when that Pogue colonel is lecturing him, he goes, a youngian, it's a youngian thing, sir. Blink. A what? <laughs> Don't you love your country, son? Like, yeah. I have no, I am completely clueless. So I will downshift to... Don't when you he says the duality of man, yeah, yeah, he gets this deer in headlight look yeah. like... The hell is that? I'm going to change the subject now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's also the fact you're standing in front of a mass grave while the whole thing goes down. Right. Minor detail. Yes. All right. Uh, next. Oh, you seen much combat? <laughs> I've seen a little on TV. <laughs> you're a real comedian. Well, they call me the Joker. Well, I got a joke for you. I'm going to tear you a new asshole. Well, Pilgrim, only after you eat the peanuts out of my shit. 
And I'll tell you what, you got to hand it to Matthew Modine. He was not backing down, even though that Adam Baldwin had like a good four inches on him and about 100 pounds. Well, that's that's a great great then, yeah, well, an eight ball kind of kind of walks up like, okay, time time to give feed animal mother some raw meat. Yep. All right, let's see. Uh, number nine. I have this. I, there's something about that. I got this handed. I, I've got this marked as. Uh, all right, number nine. Tough break for a hand job. It's all set to get shipped out on a medical. What was the matter with him? He's jerking off ten times a day. It's no shit. At least ten times a day. Last week he was sent down to Da Nang to see the Navy head shrinker. And the crazy fucker starts jerking off in the waiting room. Instant section eight. Maybe that explains why Jeff only comes like every other podcast. <laughs> so to speak. Wait, I, I break that guy's record on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. and, and the best part is the expression on everybody's face. They actually admired him for doing that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you, I tell you what, you know what the impressive thing about that is? If you're sitting there, not listening to them, listening to the background. Yep. I mean, where did they get that sound? I mean, that sound from. I mean, it. There's a full blown war going on in the background. It's it's great, and that is the great thing about this movie. That you know, the background noise, the 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 lighting, everything. I mean, you feel like you're literally sitting in the middle of the war. Incredible. Yeah, I found myself shutting off the TV off and on all through this, going, "What's that sound? Like, what's going on outside?" Yeah, <laughs> outside. That's just background noise on the TV. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, all right, guys, that is it with clips. Let us move on to, um, oh gosh, top movies of 1987. Ken, what do you got? I, I can Muncie, do that. Muncie, um, did you fall asleep back there? Me? No. No, not at all. No, I heard, I almost heard snoring. I thought, I think Muncie fell asleep. I am not asleep. Okay. I just heard like heavy breathing, so oh, never mind. Well, you know, I was breaking that record. <laughs> You're going for eleven. Yeah. All right, Ken, what do you got? Uh number ten. I don't have any nineteen eighty seven was kind of a funny movie because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on in the background that uh you know I usually can say like, well these movies are noteworthy for some reason. There wasn't a whole lot of noteworthy movies. That uh, didn't show up. Maybe Wall Street. I mean, that was and Good Morning Vietnam. I mean, in terms of man cave-ish movies, Wall Street's actually a very good movie. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't make the top ten, but it's it was there. Uh, but getting into the top ten, uh, at number ten, we've got the Witches of Eastwick. Uh. <laughs> uh. Wow. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Roy Jenkins. Just a beast wing. Kidding me. I didn't say anything more than the name. I was not trying to hype it. It's not a favorite of mine. But nonetheless, it made a whole bunch of money that year. Uh, From Chata Crowd likes it. 
That's true. It, it's it, it had an appeal to the female demographic. <laughs> Number nine, a movie which is a man cave movie, in my opinion, which I don't think we've ever done, but which you all agree you've seen. Lethal Weapon. Oh yeah, that's good. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's a man okay. caver. Yep. Yeah. The first we can one. easily yep. do that. Yeah, the first one definitely. We should. Here, get that. Yes. Yeah. Put it on that non-existent whiteboard behind you. <laughs> Number eight, a movie I saw at the theater, which was okay, but nothing great, but it still is like number eight movie that year. Stakeout. Oh my gosh. Like Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. Oh. Oh. I honest God remember seeing that in the theater. I don't even know who in the hell I was with. And I don't even, I remember being in the theater in some bizarre area. I have no idea. And it just, it's still to this day, uh, kind of drives me crazy because, because I really don't even know who in the heck I was with at the time. So. It's a lame movie. I mean, it's it's yeah. workmanlike is the best I can say about it. Yeah. Uh, number seven, The Secret of My Success. Good movie. That's With actually, Michael J. Fox. Oh, yeah. Funny movie. Oh, that's a great movie. It's your classic 80s movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, number six, A Man Cave movie, because we did do it. The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. Wow. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Hold on, Are Mr. you okay, Mark? We're waiting for Mr. Tuberculosis to get back. <laughs> yeah, he, he's going to Arizona for his uh, <laughs> longer <Why>? treatment. <laughs> Continue, sir. Nine. Okay. Number five. I remember going to see this on a date. Because it's not a man cave movie. Moonstruck. With share, it is not. I've a, never seen it. It's not a man cave movie, but I'll tell you what, I do like that movie. It's one of Debbie's favorite movies. Here we go. It's a lot of fun. I mean, it it's, is a it's a well done movie. It it's is a very it's a very well done movie. It's 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 a chick flick that guys can still enjoy. It's a lot of fun. I well, mean, it's got young Nicolas Cage playing yep. the freaky boyfriend yeah i'm telling you this movie is i i will watch anytime it's on it's fun it i have a good time plus the soundtrack the soundtrack alone you watch it just for the music it, it's a lot of fun okay yeah all right. that's fine you know what and i'm not ashamed to say it you know what screw you all screw you all i'm thinking my podcast and going out i hope you die yeah i hope you die all right. Continue. Kevin. Number four, a movie about the conflict we're talking about. Good morning, Vietnam. I, I'll be honest with you. I was never. I honestly was never a big Robin Williams fan. So, I remember seeing it, thinking I don't like it because he's in it. And I, I know I'm one of the weird people that don't like him. I just never thought he was funny. I just thought he was kind of like a goofball. It's like kind of like. Jim Carrey. It's like, eh, not interested. Well, you're actually pretty much right. And Good Morning Vietnam is not on my list of favorites, and I don't think it's really held up with time. But that's me. Okay. That's the same joke. It, it's the same shtick over and over. And then we have this moment of realization. It's it, it just it plays it, it it plays for cheapness. 
it, it's it's not yeah you're right it does not hold up well it's not a good movie right uh well it's it's better than Operation Dumbo Drop, which came out of years ago. <laughs> Here we, now we qualify it. <laughs> uh, number three, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Hated them all. Yeah, hate is a extreme emotion. I just didn't like them Sorry, just they never appealed to me. I I think I never even got past when two came out. I'm like whatever, done. But continue, Ken. All right. Well, I, I, for for those of you that like your bunnies boiled, oh. Fatal Attraction. Oh. oh my god! Oh, there's this boy. Do I have a story there? Good lord. You know that that gentleman is not a date movie. <laughs> Okay, Mark. Mark, thank you, thank you for yeah, telling me yeah. that. Why did that, you tell that me that? Be, that might have had an impact on why I'm single to this day. Yeah. yeah. Why did you tell me that like 25 years ago? Because right. that was the freaking movie I took a date on, and funny how that worked out. Yeah. No, and he's shit. going. Yeah, get some, get some. You're like, oh my god. I am not kidding. I I took a girl out on a first date. I mean, that was it. After the movie, I'm like, "What do you want to do?" She goes, "I I I'm not feeling well. Can we go home?" I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I was like, "She's the one that picked the freaking movie." I'm like, "I don't. I didn't know what it was." <laughs> that would be the best for all of us. Let's just pretend this never happened. Yeah, it's like you know, can we start this over? Now nah, we're done. Probably, no, yeah. we're dead. <laughs> did you ever see it? <laughs> nah, we're, we're over. <laughs> yeah. did, did you ever see it, Muncie? What? Uh, yeah, I, I actually went to the theaters and saw it. Yeah, and I, don't, I didn't take a date. <laughs> um, I think it was like a college thing. It was a bunch of us wanted to go out because, well, we heard about uh, about this great movie and. Yeah, about um, the and hot, we left there and about, said, um, no, you heard about the hot sex scene in the elevators, which you heard that, about. Something like that. That's yeah, why was, you went to see it, you perv. We didn't know any better. <laughs> we are in college. <laughs> yeah, with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Oh, yeah. my God. I was, I had no idea what I was getting into. And like I said, she's the one that suggested it. I'm like, oh, okay, fine, we'll go see it. And it is. We went to see the movie. We were supposed to go to dinner afterwards. Nope. Date was over right after the movie. I'm like, right. yeah, there's not going to be any consummation after this yep. movie. No. Hey, it's upside. You save money, pal. Yep. No. Well, I ended up just driving over the down to the bar and drinking there. I was like, Christ, why ain't I got nothing else to do? <laughs> that was a better use of your evening. Good lord. But you, that's just when you said that, Mark. Not a day not, movie. Not a day movie. No shit, Sherlock. Guess what I did. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Well, like I said, she's the one that picked it. So, all right. Well, there you go, folks. That is the top. No, movie. it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, that's two. Oh, that was number two. I thought that was number one. All right, continue. No. Ken. Sorry, I gotta let you guys go. You had a lot to say about Fatal Attraction for three, for you not liking it. You talked about it enough. Hey, Steve. Can Ken be in charge? All right, Ken. What's next? <clears throat> Number one, the top movie of that year. Three Men and a Baby. Oh, dear. With that Tom Snellick, Steve Gutenberg, and Ted Danson and a baby. That was a date movie. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, that's that's what you want to take a date on. Here, want to oh, have a kid? Oh. Want to have a kid? Yeah, that's what I, I saw I, it at the theater. Actually, I saw about half these movies at the theater. That was a date movie. Mm. Wow. Well, there you go. That was the top <laughs> movies of 1987. All right, so we are now going to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. If I could find my checklist. I could never find my checklist. All right. All right, that is it with the Man I'm sorry. That is it with the uh, top ten movies of 1987. So we're moving on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist of this great and fantastic film. Number one. They won't jump out of a window. I'm, in the main battle scenes, there wasn't any glass left. Right. All got any blown glass up. that was left, animal mother shot up. Yeah, so there was none. All well, right. Cowboy got shot through a window. No, he didn't. He got no, shot he got through a big hole. Shot through. Yeah, big hole, hole in the, yeah, big hole in the uh, building. So, All right, uh, number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there a Liv Tyler role in the movie? I love you long time, baby. Nah. Totally nope. necessary. Yeah, nope. you got to nope. They had to show that. Nope. Not at all. All right, whatever. All right. Uh, let's see. Number three. Son of a bitch must pay. Well, guys, was there a son of a bitch in this movie, and did he pay? Um. Yeah, uh, he paid. He got seven six two full metal jacket. <laughs> Oh, he sure did. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, number four. Was there Wilhelm scream in this movie? But there could have been. There should have been one. I mean, a mortar, the guy picking up the bunny rabbit. I don't know. All right, uh, let's see. Next. Well, I was going to say, could the female role be better played by Tony Katane? Well, no, because there's only two female roles, or three, I should say. Uh, two of them are hookers, and one's a sniper. They're all Vietnamese, and she doesn't fit the bill. So, uh, a resounding no on that one. But you wish that she would love you a long time. By all means. All right, next. Was there a montage in this movie? Um, no. Oh, really? I could say the boot camp was all one massive montage, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah. It's cut scene after cut scene. That's called a montage. No, no, that's not a montage. Hey, look, if you're not going to give me, um, usual suspects as cut scenes where they're doing the interrogation, you're not getting this as a cut scene. Mark, what do you got? Mark, what do you got? I'm voting present. Oh, All right, fine. Jeff, Jeff has convinced me. He's correct. You're wrong. All right. Um, well, I'm still in charge because I am. I'm making executive. For the time being, I'm making executive <laughs> decision. There was a montage in this movie. Wow. <laughs> and you know why? So let it be written. <laughs> so let it be done. So there you go. All right, uh, let's see. Next. What the fuck? Was there a what the fuck moment in this movie? 
I told you this is an explicit attack, folks. Don't be surprised. I, I'm going to say yes. It, it, it's the Vietnamese girl with AK. I just can't. That always bothers me. That's just to me a what the fuck moment. Versus having a sniper rifle. Even a motion to Gant with a scope on it. It just, I love this movie, but that's just one of those where I have a breakdown and go, what the fuck was he thinking? Why does she, why does this little girl have an AK and she's so good with it? It just, that's just me, but that's my WTF moment. Yeah. Those, those are not sniper rifles. You, you are not that accurate with those. A sniper is just somebody that's shooting an unseen. <clears throat> okay. All right, and last and certainly not least. And so it begins. Was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? Did you, you know, catch it, Jeff? Um, I forgot to look. Yes, there is. Okay, uh, Mark, before you start, Jeff. <laughs> Get it. You have failed me for the last time. I have one job Again. on this show. You had one, you <laughs> yeah, had had one job. job. You had one job. <laughs> and you didn't even remember to I do it. I didn't even <laughs> remember to do it. Um, hmm. Nice job. Yeah. Um, and you know what else, Jeff? <laughs> Son of a bitch must pay. I'm I'm curious now. I, 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 I'm sure I will be shocked and amazed when... You announce it, but what is it? Raptor Man. Kevin Major Howard. Really? Appeared in the episode Path of Sorrow. Hold on. Back, Mark, back up. You're, you're like really fading out. Kevin Major Howard. There you go. He was the actor who played Raptor Man. Yeah. He played in an episode of Excalibur, which was the Babylon 5 spinoff. Okay. He played it, an officer in Path of Sorrows. Who's interrogating Captain Gideon back when at back when he is found by the techno mages and saved. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very obscure too. Very obscure. Very very short lived series too. Yeah. But huh. yes. So you do have a B five connection via Excal via Excalibur. We'll take it. We will take it. You're welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Mark. I I was beginning to become concerned. Well, considering you didn't even bother to look at it to begin with. Didn't even didn't even no. think about it. I mean that's that's what's sad is it is. All right. Well there you go. That is the uh Man Cave movie review checklist and our B five reference that Mark pulled out. All right, it is now time for the Man Cave movie review of this great and fantastic film. So, let's see. Well, let's see, I think I did the last one. So, Jeff, uh, it's, it's Jeff's turn. Is it really? It is your turn. I'll start playing, okay. the, I'll start playing the music when you go too long. Okay. All right. Hey, thanks, Mark, Steve, Ken, everybody. Um, let's see here. We're, okay. Hey, you know what? Um, this movie, I think, I don't even know what the hell I'm trying to say right now. Um, I'm so unprepared for this closing. I didn't think I would do it tonight. Um, you know, I'm so, I, I just can't even do it. 
Ken, you're going to have to do it for me. Okay. Thanks, I'll Ken. step up. Thanks for the team. Thanks. Uh, this is a product of the 80s. Uh, it's something Kubrick had been looking at doing for a number of years. For those of you that are younger, uh, Vietnam didn't get a lot of play. It took a while before there were movies about it. I think, uh, I mean, while the, while the war was going on, all I can think of is maybe the Green Berets with John Wayne coming out. And then there was a long dry spell. And then in the late 70s, you started getting a few movies. And Kubrick wanted to do something, and it took him a while to get this. Now, it's disjointed partly because, I mean, in putting the script together, he basically drew off of two separate sources and sort of cobbled it together to make a movie, which explains why it looks and feels the way it does. Uh, one bit of a beef I've got with it is so much of the dialogue is this, it just doesn't, when you hear it, I mean, in the movie, it's great. But when you really think about it, at least when I think about it, it's like, this isn't realistic. It's just sort of over-the-top dialogue that they put in there just to, you know, make an impact. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not, I can't make out like it's perfect. But it was very good in its day. It was good. It's got a great, you know, impact on a lot of movies that have come later. Lots of great quotes, lots of interesting characters. Uh, I mean, it made Arlie Ermey a star, that's for sure. At least, if not a star, a guy who had a steady paycheck for a couple of decades. It is a good study of the effects of war, the brutalizing effect of war, uh, the chaos of war. I made my piece about Animal Mother. I mean, a lot of people really like Animal Mother in this thing. I don't. I think he's, he's a jerk and he's sort of like, you know, caused a bunch of men to die for no good reason, but that's just me. He's, but again, who am I to say? I wasn't there. If I was there, who knows what I would do? Probably hide behind a rock. I, I, I'm not that tough. Well shot, especially when you think about the fact it was done in England. Yeah, I wish, I really do think it would have in some ways in terms of looks, it would have been better if they would have gone off to the Philippines or something to film it, like they've done with Apocalypse Now and so many other movies of this type, just because it's, you know, they had to work to make a chunk of London look like uh, Vietnam, and they could have just had it sort of for, for, you know, easily if they would have gone and actually filmed it more on location. Having said all this, I mean, I'm sort of rambling because, of course, Jeff threw this on me, but of course, I'm, I'm versatile. I'm a, I'm a team player and I don't shirk from adversity like some, you know, pussies here do. Uh, in terms of a numerical man cave rating, after all that downgrading and bad mouthing of it, I'm going to give it an 8.75. I think it's a very good movie. If it's on, I'll watch it. And if you haven't seen it and you're a man cave movies kind of guy, I think you better watch it because it's well worth seeing and it's worth the uh, hype that it's gotten over the years. Very well done. Uh, Jeff, you got a number for this one? Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks, Steve. Um, you know, this movie really is I, – I can't believe you guys don't have it in the in the collection. Um, this was one of the first ones I think I put in the collection. And – it it delivers on every level. Um, I 
and and I really like the contrast between both halves of the movie. Um, that said, I I God, I'm I'm gonna give this. Um, I'm gonna agree with Ken. I might say even a little bit lower at eight and a half, but I mean this is one that if it comes on the tube and it came on not too long ago, I'm watching it because it's a great great show. Mark, you got a rating? Yeah, I'm going to go a quarter point higher. I own it. I love this movie. It's one of the few Vietnam movies I will pop in and watch repeatedly. On A lot of it has to do with great acting, Arlie Ermey, um, Adam Baldwin. I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. I really like this movie, and I think it's one of Kubrick's better movies. Mark, I have to second that. Um, well, I should take that back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an 8.75, just like... Um, can i like it i think this is definitely one of kubrick's better movies um shot ver you know what screw it it is a nine it is a nine uh it the 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 the, the lighting uh the cinematography the soundtrack everything about it is is fantastic you gotta see this movie if you haven't and i'm amazed if anybody hasn't seen this movie that listens to this show great movie awesome go see it so there you go. That is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 159, where we talked about Full Metal Jacket. All right, check us out on our website at mancavemovereview.com and look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review. Uh, leave us a comment, tell us if you liked the show or didn't like it, and you can look for us on Facebook and Twitter and listen to us on, did I already say iTunes and Stitcher? I don't remember. You did now. Okay, I did now. All right, there you go. All right, so until next time, I'm your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. He's a modern art masterpiece, slower. As soon as this podcast's done, I want you three turds to clean the head. After Muncie's been in there, not on a bet. <laughs> All right, and speaking of our other very good dear friend saying, Jeff, I didn't know they stacked shit that high. Muncie. Um, good night, Steve. Thanks for having me on tonight. You're welcome, and we are happy to have you here. So I, I knew he was going to be mad. I told him. All right, and last and certainly not least, Ken, he's too buku for you, Roni. I think you'd all agree that we're all in this shit, but we're at least alive. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. Thanks. And that is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 159. We will check you out next time. Until then, ciao.